0: Well, again, good morning. Good morning and welcome. Hey, if you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to get there in a moment. and uh, But I too, this morning, want to invite you to be a part of what we have coming up here in the life of our church, a day we call Beyond the Wall Sunday. And to help kind of give you a little bit more background to what that can look like and what your experience can be like i'm going to ask a family to join me up here the lar family so john and Kara, if you guys and your tribe of sons would join us
1: if everyone stays together hey
0: hey you know man i have a special place in my heart for families with three boys so we do this so guys, hey, thanks for joining us. And I know you guys have been a part of Beyond the Walls as we have done this in the past. So, so John, how would you kind of introduce people to what we do and why we do it if they haven't been a part of this before?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Church Beyond the Walls um, is a day that our church has set aside um, to just go out in our communities and to really uh, share uh, the love of Christ um, and just serve those, uh, whether it's through practical Um, tangible um, means through physical uh, needs, or um, hopefully uh, just praying for the Spirit to empower us to uh, be able to have opportunities to share uh, the gospel with um, those that we come in contact. And um, our hope and prayer is that it's not just a a one-day event um, that we do as a church, but that it really carries over into our lives on a daily basis.
0: So just tell us a little bit about your experience, some of the things you've done, just how you've seen God at work in the past. Yeah.
2: Um, So we have typically tried to choose a project that we could do together as a family, as well as with our Live Lovely group. Um, And so we've done some projects that we've come up on our own with our group, um, helping out uh, a single woman who just needed help in her home, um, just doing some deep cleaning and some things around as far as yard work. And then... We've other years done some of the projects that the church has kind of started. And um, we've painted pumpkins and made cards that were delivered to local um, nursing home residents. And then um, some other projects that we've done have uh, included yard work, cleanup, um, and some small, like, carpentry-type stuff.
0: Well, great. Um, And so it really has been, for you guys, a family-friendly event.
2: Yeah. And I would say just um, how we've seen God moving is just— one way we've seen it is in our, like our family, so seeing the boys just really jump in and be excited about that day, and then that carrying out into the days following of them asking, you know, when can we do that again? And then seeing that um, in, in our neighbors, when our neighbors are out um, working, having the boys ask, hey, can we go over and help them, or um, stack wood with them, or rake, and so it's just been really neat to see even the spirit working in the boys' lives.
0: We'll keep we'll to see how long. This yeah, lasts. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. So, uh, so just tell us one last question, John. How, how are ways in which we can get involved? What are some
1: next steps for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think the biggest and uh, first thing is just to be bathing that day in prayer, and um, just uh, for the people that we come in contact with that day, um, but also for us as to how we would get involved, and just that the Holy Spirit would be uh, directing us. Um, as a church, um, both on that day and, again, going forward. Um, And uh, we have the kiosk out here uh, for you guys to sign up. Um, There's also the website, hfcinfo.com, where there's a a link for signing up to join a team that's already established, um, or you can submit an idea if you have one as well. And we would just ask that, um, kind of specifically that you uh, try to keep in mind that we're um, going to be serving those who don't know Christ yet. Um, and so trying to keep the projects oriented that way. Um, but also that if you have a neighbor or friend that wants to join you that day um, who isn't uh, following Christ, that just ha- ask them to come along and uh, kind of see, have them see the, the gospel in action that day. Well, okay. Good.
0: Well, listen, look forward to hearing how your experience goes and thanks for sharing a little bit of your story and your family with us. Would you help me in thanking the Lar family this morning? Good job guys. Thank Good you. job. Thanks. So again, that is coming up on the 2nd of October, and as they said, we'll have someone at the kiosk in the lobby if you'd like more information about how you can sign up or even how you could propose a project, and also you can find that information at hfcinfo.com. Now, I realize at this point you might simply say, well, I guess we're supposed to do that because that's what the church is doing, and you know the church has done that before, and this is what we're going to be doing on the 2nd, and that's great, but but is there really something deeper at work? And is there a deeper principle at work of which this Sunday in our church history is a part? And I think the answer to that question is yes. You see, we've started this journey through the book of Acts. It's the book in the Bible that tells the story of the early Christian movement, the early Christian uh, communities. And an underlying theme of this book is the reality that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have committed your life to Christ, that as a Christian, with your new life comes a new community and a new mission. I I don't know if you realize it or not, but when you become a follower of Jesus with that new life, comes a new mission. Here's another way you might think about that in the book of Acts. The mission of Jesus continues by the power of the Spirit through the witness of the church. And that includes us. In fact, as we go through kind of the opening part of the book of Acts this fall, on the one hand, we're going to see not-to-be-repeated events that are part of the beginning of the Christian movement, things that were unique to the beginning of church history. And yet, on the other hand, we're also reading about Jesus' ongoing mission, empowered by his Spirit, which continues in his church today. And so in a real sense, as a church community, when we go out in a couple of weeks to do do all kinds of projects in our community, in the region, and just to serve people with the love of Christ, as we go out and do that, that's not simply something we've been doing for a few years here at Hershey Free. It's something rooted much deeper in the storyline of the Bible, something rooted in the pages of the book of Acts. Rooted in the reality that as a church with our new life comes a new mission. And we're going to begin to understand that mission and unpack it as we follow the stories of these early followers of Jesus. And we're going to do that this morning as we now come to Acts chapter 1. And we'll start to really begin to see the nature and the reality of our mission as followers of Jesus. So, Here's how the book of Acts opens. Luke writes In my former book, and of course, his former book is referring to the book of the Bible we know as the Gospel of Luke. In my former book, Theophilus, this is the recipient of this book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, He had chosen. So Luke begins this second volume of his work by reminding Theophilus of the previous book that he had written. And and as he describes Jesus' ministry here, just notice a couple of things. First of all, notice that Jesus' ministry was in word and deed. And that really will set the pace for those of us who are followers of Jesus to follow in his footsteps, is to follow in the same kind of ministry. Second, notice this really provocative claim. He says, you know, in my former book, I wrote you about all that Jesus began to do. Then he began to teach. It's really a bold claim because... Here's what Luke is saying, right? In his former book, The Gospel, he told us all the amazing things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry. He describes how Jesus healed the sick, cast out demons, confronted those in power, comforted those on the margins, taught in parables and provocative sayings. And ultimately, he went to the cross on our behalf and was raised from the dead. And now Luke is looking back at that Amazing narrative that he told and said, and that was just the beginning. Now I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. It's an ongoing story, and that's the way Luke writes his book. So he tells us Jesus' ministry was word indeed. He tells us that Jesus' ministry is ongoing. And then, thirdly, notice also he says that Jesus' ministry is empowered by God's Spirit. And that is something we are going to see throughout the book of Acts. And in many ways, this is, this is the work of God's people empowered by God's spirit that we're going to see in page after page of the book of Acts. The work of God's spirit continues in the lives of Jesus' followers. So Luke begins by saying, okay, Theophilus, remember, remember the former book. Let me just remind you of what I've previously written. And then he says, and let me tell you now what happened For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Luke says, and this is what what happened in those immediate days after the resurrection. Over a period of 40 days, Jesus appeared to this inner circle of his followers. And he was speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, remember, the kingdom of God really was the central theme. It was the central message of all of Jesus' teaching. In fact, if you go back to Luke's previous book, uh, in, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus really begins his public ministry in a synagogue in Nazareth. And then he begins to speak publicly in that synagogue in Nazareth. He reads from the scroll from Isaiah. He reads from a passage where Isaiah the prophet talks about the one who is coming, who will be anointed by God's spirit as God's representative, who will bring good news to the poor, who will proclaim freedom for prisoners, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed. And later in that passage, Luke informs us that this was all part of Jesus' teaching on God's new work called the kingdom of God. And now, in those days immediately after the resurrection, Jesus is coming back to those themes when he appears to his disciples. He's coming back to the kingdom of God. And for a moment, just for a moment, put, put yourself in the shoes of those disciples. Disciples. Think about what some of those conversations might have been like. I mean, here here you're looking at someone who has been raised from the dead and is now talking to you about the kingdom of God. Now, you had heard him speak on this many times before, but there's something different now. Because he's been raised, the resurrection has taken place. And I think particularly now as the disciples heard Jesus teaching on these themes, as the disciples heard Jesus perhaps going back to certain texts and certain language and imagery from the Old Testament. As they heard him teaching on the kingdom of God, I think an important way to summarize what they heard was this, they heard the theme of restoration. I think that becomes clear from two passages, because you you read immediately, and and we're we're about to see this, and they're going to ask Jesus, when are, is this the time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? You go a little farther, you get into the early preaching of these disciples, and we get to chapter 3, and there's this moment where Peter is describing the work of Jesus, and he, he describes Jesus as one who is coming to restore all things. And so over these 40 days, the disciples, you know, as Jesus kind of appears to them, and they're in these conversations, I think they they hear this amazing promise, this amazing theme of restoration. And I think they hear it at two different levels. First of all, they hear it at a national level. Because remember, woven into their history was a certain sense of failure. Right? The nation of Israel had failed in its mission and And through their own sin and failure, the nation kind of came apart. It became multiple kingdoms. And there was a brokenness that was now part of their history. And yet, when you read the prophets, there's this, there's this sense of hope that one day God is going to put his people back together. One day God is going to restore his nation. So as they heard Jesus talking about the theme of the kingdom of God, they, I think, first of all, they heard it at a national level that, that God was going to be, bring about this amazing program of just healing the nation, of restoring the nation of which they were a part. But not only did they hear it at a national level, I think they, they heard it at a personal level. Because even, even as the prophets talked about God restoring the nation and bringing people together, the prophets also talked about this new thing that God was going to do in the lives of people, that he was going to you know, give them a new heart, that he was going to wash them and cleanse them. And it's this, there are all these images of transformation and renewal so that God would ultimately be at work in the lives of people from the inside out through forgiveness and renewal at the deepest level of who we are. And so for 40 days, Jesus is communicating this message to the disciples about this amazing plan of renewal and restoration and how this plan is something that was now being made possible through his work, his life, his death, his resurrection. So just for a moment, just put yourself... In their shoes. And let me suggest this. Whether, you're not, whether or not you think about yourself as a Christian, or maybe, maybe you would describe yourself maybe in more ambivalent terms spiritually, and, you know, whatever brings you here, or whatever brings you to join us online, it's just great to have you as a part of our church this morning. But wherever you would put yourself, kind of on a spiritual spectrum, regardless of where you would put yourself on a spiritual spectrum, Spectrum, can I just challenge you to think this? I think if you, if you had heard Jesus in these conversations, regardless of where you're at now, if you had heard Jesus, in some sense, you would be drawn in. To hear this man talking about renewal, to hear him talking about restoration, I think in some sense, all of us would have been drawn in by that message. Because the reality is in different ways all of us have have experienced the fragmentation that comes from sin and brokenness. Even if you don't think in those categories, I think the reality is you would acknowledge there are ways in which the world around us is not as it should be. And we have felt the weight of that. We have felt the brokenness of that. For some we know the pain, the disappointment of relationships that have come apart. Some of you have known that in your marriage. Some of you now know that in experiences in your own family. There's tension, there's conflict, for some of us even estrangement. And we don't necessarily have words to describe it, but we know things are not as they should be. And even as we have at times experienced this relationally, I think many of us would also acknowledge we have experienced this internally and personally. We know the disappointment with ourselves, even the guilt with our own life that comes when we've made certain mistakes and maybe we look back and it's like, I wish I could do that over. I wish I had that opportunity again and yet I can't. Every now and then, I'm, again, I'm in a conversation with someone, and they're telling me maybe part of their story. And they don't necessarily use these words, but here's what's communicating to me. People will say something, in essence, that goes like this Here's where my life got off track. Here's where certain mistakes were made, this decision, or here's where I started to develop certain habits, or here's an opportunity I missed, and if only I could go back in my family, in my marriage with my kids, and and here's where my life got off track, and somehow in the intervening time, I haven't figured out how to get it back on again. And maybe you would say that. You see, whether we use the categories or not, in some ways, I think all of us have experienced the fragmentation, the disappointment of living in a world filled with sin and living in a world that isn't as it should be. And then to hear the risen Christ in conversation After conversation, talk about the reality that something new is happening where God is bringing things back together. Something new, this new reign of God is now at work through him that begins by restoring our relationship with God and then it brings healing and transformation to other dimensions of our lives. I think think to have been drawn into conversations like that, you would have been drawn into what Jesus was saying. And consequently, it's not surprising what happens next. Because as the conversation continues, here's what happens. Then the disciples gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now again, remember in conversation after conversation, Jesus, he's been talking about this plan of renewal, this plan of restoration, this amazing thing that God was going to do. And, and I mean, to, and you know, for these for these guys to kind of look at the brokenness of their country and to think that God's bringing his people back together and he's going to bring about transformation and they were just drawn into that. And so it was, I think it was natural for them to say, well well, when are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? I mean, just imagine after this service, you and I had this conversation, and of course the conversation, you're, you're just really excited to talk about a, a job opportunity that you think may be coming your way. You know, you've heard that at, your, at work, they're gonna, maybe they're going to be opening this new position or there's this new position that's going to be coming available, and, and you would say, this really is, it's a great fit for who I am, for kind of what I enjoy doing, for my passion, for the things I really enjoy doing at work. This is just a great fit for me. And you're excited about that. You're excited. Hey, it's going to, there's going to be a pay increase. That would be great, right? Wouldn't it be great to be in a little better financial situation? Furthermore, you've had one of your supervisors or somebody in management already kind of has told you, you know, I think you're going to be a great fit for that too. And, and so there's this real sense that this, this is going to open up for you. And we're, we're talking about that. And you're just really excited about that. And in the course of that conversation, wouldn't it be the case that at some point, it would be most appropriate for me to look at you and go, hey, this sounds great. When do you think it's going to happen? When is this going to be a possibility? And in a similar way, that's, that's kind of, I mean, Jesus has been talking about this kingdom of God, not only in his ministry, but in the last 40 days. And so it's just natural after hearing such amazing imagery and such amazing teaching that the disciples go, okay, is this the time? that you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel. So it's not surprising that the disciples ask this. But here's the complication. Here's the potential sticking point. Here's the way in which kind of this becomes arguably an early moment of tension in the history of Christianity. I think underlying the question is a faulty expectation. You, you see, they, they've heard Jesus teaching about the kingdom, and even as he's teaching, they're looking at him, and it's like, he's, he's been raised from the dead. Nothing, nothing's going to hold him back I mean, they're taking Jesus seriously when he's talking about all this work of restoration and renewal. And I think their working assumption, when they ask this question, is, you're going to do that right now, aren't you? I mean, when they ask, "Are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Their expectation is, yes, this is the moment. This is when you're going to do it. And the truth is, at this point, they don't really fully get how God's plan is going to unfold. And and so in a moment, we'll see, I think Jesus kind of gently but firmly confronts their expectation. But can I I suggest to you, we need to pay attention to this moment in the early history of the church because even as they had the opportunity to get stuck in faulty expectations, I think think the same is true of us. Earlier this week, as we were getting ready uh, for this weekend, I was in conversation with one of our staff and we were just talking about You know, what are some of the faulty expectations where we can get stuck in terms of our understanding of how God's work and what the kingdom looks like? And let me just mention a couple of them to you because I think these are the kinds of faulty expectations that can kind of lead us to, to question whether God is working or at times maybe just to lose a sense of momentum and passion about who God is and what he's doing. So here are a couple of faulty expectations where we can get stuck. First of all, I think we can get stuck in a faulty expectation that presumes God's work will always involve comfort and convenience. Right? If God is, if, you know, if I'm kind of doing, if I'm kind of engaged in what God is doing and kind of seeking to be led by his spirit, well, that's, that's going to be a comfortable and convenient life for me. Yet remember... Luke has already described for us the work of the cross and that was the way of Jesus. And in many ways, as followers of Christ and following him and engaging his mission, at times that will be our journey as well. In fact, as you go through the pages of this book, you're going to see that as the disciples live at the mission, at times their lives get very complicated, There are hardships and challenges along the way and yet God is at work even in the midst of that so it's a faulty assumption to presume that this will be a comfortable and convenient mission i think another false expectation that sometimes in work at work in churches among christians is this and i would describe it this way it's it's the faulty expectation of expecting too little Here's what I mean by that. Unfortunately, sometimes it feels like we shrink the message of Jesus and the importance of Jesus down to the plan of salvation. Now, here's what I mean by that. We kind of reduce the message of Jesus to, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, experience his forgiveness, so that you will spend eternity with him. And you'll go to heaven when you die. Now, all of that is true. And if you, have, if you have yet to start the journey of following Jesus, this is where you need to begin. And yet the message is so much more than that. Because remember, Jesus didn't speak for 40 days telling the disciples the plan of salvation. As foundational as that was to what he was doing, he spoke 40 days telling them about the kingdom of God spoke for 40 days explaining to them that when you begin this journey and putting your faith and trust in Christ, that's just the start of what you will experience. And that's just the start of the mission. And so in the course of reading this book, we'll discover the reality that as these disciples were living as part of the mission, God was was doing a certain work in their lives For the leaders of the early Christian movement over time, they were kind of learning to rethink their categories about who's in and who's out. And and over the course of the history of the early church, we'll see the way the good news of Christ and the message of the kingdom is bringing different kinds of people together. People that would normally not socialize together in first century Roman context. And yet this gospel was bringing about this renewal and restoration of which we are now a part. so we have to be careful about simply expecting too little. I think a third place where we can get stuck in unhealthy expectations is we can equate God's kingdom with political power. We can assume, well, for God to be at work, Christians have to have political power. Yet as we'll see in the pages of this book, God's kingdom is a totally different type of power that will not be thwarted regardless of who has political power in fact one of the underlying messages i think of this book is the reality that jesus is lord caesar is not so can i challenge you as we, as we go through as we go through this book and we see more and more what this mission looks like and what it looks like to be part of this ongoing mission of jesus Would you be open to the possibility that there may be be some of your expectations or things that need to be left behind? Maybe you have expectations about how God should work that are really inhibiting you from truly engaging the mission. So the disciples ask this question, right? Okay, Jesus, is it now? We really think it's now, so is it now? And, And then Jesus responds. And again, I think this is a gentle rebuke, right? He says, "He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, I I need you to set aside your expectations. Your expectations aren't healthy. You're not going to know the exact timing. So I need you to set all of that aside. But here's what you do need to understand. You need to understand this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So as I said, I think th- there's a contrast here. In some sense, there's the gentle rebuke, right? This, you're not going to know this, so you need to set these expectations aside. But here's what you do need to know, that you're going to receive my spirit, which will bring you into my mission, and with his work, you will become my witnesses. This is what's going to happen. So Jesus is saying, look, I, even as I go away, my spirit is coming. And he's going to empower you to be my witness in Jerusalem and then Judea, Samaria, and to the utter ends of the world. And in many ways, what this verse does, it really sets the table of contents for the book of Acts. It sets the trajectory of what you will see as you read through this book. It sets the stage for all that is to come. And I think even as it sets the stage for all that is to come in the book, this is also the place where we are invited in. I think this is the place where Luke wants to draw us in and remind us we are now part of this mission, right? Again, to have this new life is to have this new mission. And part of the reason that the book ends in such an open-ended way is because Luke wants us to understand the mission continues. And so with this statement, he is drawing us in. But but what exactly is the nature of this mission? Well, notice again several things he says here. Right? He says, you will be my witness. Now, what exactly does that mean? What is a witness? Witness. Well, simply put, a, a witness is someone who experiences or sees something and then tells others about it. Most likely you're a witness more often than you realize, right? Hey, guess what? I, you know, we tried out this restaurant over the weekend and we really, it was great. I loved that, that kind of cooking, and I, I think it's something you'd really enjoy. I'm a witness. Or, hey, you know what, we tried this new dog food, and he's really doing much better on it than that other stuff. His coat looks great, and, you know, he doesn't seem to be getting sick on it, so maybe this is something that we would work with your pet as well. I'm a witness. But now Jesus says, you are to be my witnesses, and I think following the ministry of, in the ministry of Jesus, we are to be witnesses in word and deed. That's the pattern. That's the pattern of Jesus. So what does that look like? We're, we're going to talk more about this as we go through the book of Acts, but just think about the issue of conversation. And I realize this is one of the times where as followers of Jesus, this, this topic of sharing our faith, of being witnesses, of evangelism, this can be an awkward topic. Maybe you would say, you know what, I really can't talk about certain things in my workplace that is frowned upon. And we realize this, these can be awkward topics. I don't want to deny that. But understand in different ways, um, in the context of relationships, you you just have the opportunity to share your own story, the experiences that have been meaningful to you, and even the way faith can shape your life. And I encourage you to understand that this is part of the journey of being a witness. (laughs) Speaking of dogs, a few days ago, I was walking our dog, and... uh, I ended up in a conversation with some of our neighbors. Recently, kind of the talk of our neighborhood was a situation a couple of weeks ago where we had some petty crime in our neighborhood. And one night, um, a number of items were taken from unlocked cars. And so we're still talking about that in the neighborhood. And so that came up in our conversation. And um, somehow that kind of morphed into a conversation about car crime. Since we were talking about car crime, I just shared a story about an experience I had where a car was stolen on a missions trip many years ago. Actually, it was my dad's car that I was driving that was stolen. For the, it, We recovered. It's good. We're all good. We're all good. So don't worry about that. But But so anyway, I I just, you know, it was just kind of what we're talking about, so I just shared a little bit of my own life, and of course, part of that life story was just being part of mission, and I kind of shared that, and uh, what was fascinating, and I didn't even notice this until I got home, but what was really fascinating was in the flow of the conversation, simply sharing a story about mission kind of led to my neighbors just telling me a little bit more of their story. And I'm not sure where that conversation will go, but kind of, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. We'll see what that unfolds in the future. So we, we're to be witnesses in terms of our conversation. But I think we're, we're to be witnesses in terms of deed as well, right? As, as we live our faith, we are to reflect the love of Christ in our In our situations, in our communities, again, this is one of the reasons why we are going out in a couple of weeks, just to reflect the love of Christ in in this area and throughout this region as we seek to serve those people who are part of our community. Once again, even thinking about my own neighborhood, I think about one of our neighbors, and a major step in his journey of coming to faith was the kindness he experienced from people in our church when he and his wife had their first child. And so we we are to be witnesses in word and deed. And notice again, kind of the outward trajectory here, right? Uh, there's Jerusalem, then there's Judea, Samaria, then kind of to the other, other most ends of the world, and and arguably this pattern wasn't simply geographical. It was also social and cultural, right? It would. The gospel would move from people that were kind of like them to people that were near to them and even then to people who were far from them. And in a real sense, we have been called into that very same ministry. And with that in mind, throughout the series, uh, we're going to just invite you to take certain steps and living out as part of this mission. Even this mission that kind of can move us from people like us to people near us, even participating in ministry to those who are far from us in different ways. And so uh, as you came in, you may have gotten a copy of this booklet. Actually, I think we had to make some more, so this should be available at the doors as you leave. Um, and I would just encourage you to pick one of these up because it, over the course of this series, several times we're going to be giving you brochures that kind of give you some next step opportunities. And we want to begin just by thinking about people that really are near us, near us and like us. And so this booklet includes just some information about our local community, even some uh, uh, feedback from some local leaders just about things going on in our community. And then it says, well, what can I do, right? How can I be a part of this mission of which God has called us. And then, as you turn the page, we've got Several ways you can just begin praying specifically for our community and particularly the needs of our community. And I think that, you know, as we become intentional in praying for our community, we then become, I think, more attuned to opportunities that God is giving us. And so you turn to the last page, and after you come to the suggested items of prayer, there are just some additional next steps that you can take. Just, you know, how do we live out this mission among the people that are close to us and uh, there are some suggestions here, like prayer walking your neighborhood, sharing a meal with a, neighborhood, uh, a neighbor, just kind of engaging conversation further, different things that you can do. And you'll also note there's even a number you can text if you would like to receive prayer prompts or just encouragements. And the last thing that I'll mention is just we, we've also got these little stickers available you can pick up on your way out. Just put it in a place that reminds you of the fact hey, that we are engaging the mission. The mission of Acts continues and we want to be part of it. Now, as you think about that, let me just kind of remind you how this scene in Acts continues. So Jesus gives them this gentle rebuke, right? Look, guys, you're not going to know the timing. It's not going to happen the way you thought. You just just need to put your expectations aside. But here's what you do need to do. You need to be open to the reality that I'm going to send my spirit. Even as I've been with you, he's going to be with you and he's going to draw you into mission. Because when you've been drawn into my relationship, you've now been drawn into my mission. He's going to draw you into mission to people like you and then people farther from you and then even people far away from you. And this is going to be, this is going to be the way the mission unfolds. And he said that and then he was gone. He was ascended. And Luke tells us, and 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 here are the disciples, <laughs> just looking up, right, thinking this isn't what I thought it would be, right. This these, these this wasn't the way I thought this was going to happen. And even as they looked to the heavens. There are These angelic beings that confront them and basically say, so hey guys, why, why do you continue looking into heaven? He will come back. And in a real sense, I think that conversation continues the re- rebuke. You know, they're looking into heaven. And it's like, hey guys, okay, I get it. This isn't the way you thought it would be. But you need to put those aside and you need to engage the mission. And so the story continues. And Luke tells us they go back to Jerusalem and they gather in that upper room and they are praying. And pay attention to this because as you go through as you go through the story of acts again and again you're going to see that prayer was such a central part of participating in the ongoing mission. Right? If you if you realize that you've been drawn into a mission that is bigger than you are, the natural response is prayer. And so so the people, the fathers of Jesus, they're gathered in, in this upper room and they're praying. And while they're praying, they decide we need, we need to select someone to replace Judas. And to be honest with you, this part of the narrative may just feel like what's this doing here? It kind of feels like a stand on your own odd piece of a story because they decide we need to replace Judas and you know, several men are recommended and they choose by lots. Again, that can maybe throw us for a loop. That seems odd. But I think, that, I think the sentiment was Jesus chose his original 12 and now he must choose the replacement. And they, they choose a guy named Matthias. And all we're told is he's chosen to be the replacement. And then he drops kind of out of the pages of history that we know nothing else about him. And some have even suggested, well, what this shows is, you know, the, the disciples kind of got ahead of themselves a little bit, right? They really didn't need to do this. They, you know, ultimately, the, the individual chosen to replace Judas was Paul the Apostle, who will become actually important. But Matthias, he just he's chosen, and we know nothing else about him. But I don't, I don't think that's how we are to read this. Here's how I think we are to read this. Okay, so the disciples, right, were, we're just looking at, we're gazing up into heaven and, and we're confronted and we realize, okay, this, it's not happening the way we expect, but we've been called into this mission. And so they gather in prayer and in the course of prayer, they become convinced that kind of a, a next step for us, a step of obedience, is replacing Judas. Now I realize this guy may seem to be insignificant and we may wonder what happens to him, but in a real sense, that's not what's most important here because what's most important here is these these disciples have realized we've been drawn into this mission of restoration and renewal and we we know in the pages of scripture that as God renews uh, renews his people he's he's really bringing his own people back together. And there's, there's importance and significance in having 12 apostles because that represents this theme of renewal that God is bringing back his people, the dispersed tribes of Israel, and there's real significance in that. So that becomes a step of obedience. So they pray, and then they begin the journey of Obedience. And in doing so, they're living out the mission. That was true then, it's true now. And my question for you is so, what does obedience look like for you to be part of that mission? Because you see, in a real sense, it's like we're standing there right with the disciples, (laughs) looking up into heaven, being confronted by the angels. They look at us and say yes he is coming back. But in the meantime put aside your unhealthy expectations and embrace the mission. Embrace the mission. Let's pray together. Gracious God, as we think about those disciples kind of looking up into the sky, I can only imagine what was going through their minds. They'd heard so much about the kingdom, but it wasn't coming as they anticipated. And yet they are told nonetheless that they are being called into mission. And even then they begin to take steps of obedience. And Father, again, I pray that we would see that this isn't simply ancient history. This is our story as well. That we too individually and corporately are being drawn into this mission. and So I pray, even as we go through the book of Acts, that we would see ourselves as part of this mission, to be witnesses to those kind of close to us, those near us, and even those far away. And so even now, I pray that we would be open to what that can look like for us moving forward. May we be those that engage you in prayer in different ways for our community and are bringing your mission to you in prayer so that more and more we are open to the opportunities that you are giving us to live this out. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. As you think about living out that mission, I'd encourage you to stop by the kiosk on your way out just to find out more about our upcoming Beyond the Wall Sunday. Also, I'm going to invite members of our prayer team to be here. You know, even as we've been talking about the work of the Spirit in drawing us into mission, maybe there are ways God's Spirit is even challenging or convicting you this morning. And if that's the case, we would love to have the opportunity to pray with you or love to have the opportunity to explain to you what this journey of following Jesus looks like and how you can begin that journey. So now as you go, please remember this, that when we are drawn into this new life, we're given a new mission. When we're drawn into the new life, we're given a new mission. So now may we go and live as part of that mission. Amen.